Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. For more information about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, visit us at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Awesome. Um... Well, welcome to the Door Church. If you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor. I'm on the preaching team. Super grateful to be here with you this morning. We are starting a new sermon series, uh, Where Are You? And that's going to be based in Genesis. So if you have your Bible, grab it. Genesis will be in chapter one, and we're going to work through this uh, in God and how he created and what we're doing here, where we're going. And so Genesis chapter one, verse one, as will be uh, this morning. Uh, the good news, if you don't know where that's at, it's just you just open the Bible. It's right there. It's the first chapter. Easy to find. That's always fun. Uh, so if you're taking uh, sermon notes this morning, A Gospel Worldview is a sermon titled this morning, A Gospel Worldview. Now, uh, what's interesting about Genesis, um, Genesis is the book of the beginnings. And if you were watching the video, it's a really engaging video. And there's a penetrating question. It says, uh, where are you? And that actually comes straight out of the text of Genesis 3 of after Adam and Eve sinned, they rebelled against God and basically said, God, we don't want to submit to, to your design. We want to, to try to be God. God graciously comes to them and says, where are you? And it's a, it's a question that I think he's asking us too, is like, where are you uh, at in this world? It's a one that's an invitation. It's not one of condemnation. He knew they rebelled. He knew where they were at, but he was trying to get them to see that he's still drawing near to them I think it's an invitation to you this morning asking you a question as you're going through your life, probably a million miles an hour, it's a time to, to maybe take a breather like, where are you? It's an invitation from God to think. Um, <clears throat> Christianity, whether people, you know, they debate, you know, it's just blind faith, it's not, it's, it's, there's so much biblical evidence of, 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 of the reality of who God is and what he's done. We'll talk more about that, but it's a thinking man religion. You don't check your brain at the door to be a Christian. You actually use your brain. It actually, I believe, takes more faith not to be a Christian because you're banking on we came from nowhere. We're here for no reason. We're going, we're going to, to nothing. Um, to, to actually use your brain because we're just going through this cultural climate that really interprets like, man, don't think. Christianity wants you to stop and say, man, where did I come from? Who is my maker? Who is my origin? Why am I here? Who am I? What's my identity? Where's my purpose? Where am I going? What does this all mean? Christianity loves for you to think about that, ask that question, and then allow the Bible to, to, to answer those worldview questions. And so it encourages you to, to use your brain. Don't check it at the door. We encourage inquisitiveness. Now, in Genesis, what you'll find is uh, Genesis means the book of beginnings, it's not necessarily a scientific explanation of creation. Now, what, I'm not gonna, what I will say is not against science, but the, 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 the aim of the book is not to answer every science question that you could have about how the world was created, nor Genesis isn't just a bunch of stories for you to think about of how you live your life differently or better uh, or even a moral engagement of, of advice. No, Genesis, listen, Genesis is about God. It's about God and how he created. It's about how he planned to redeem as we rebelled against him. And furthermore, eventually uh, to, to redeem or restore all things. So Genesis, listen, is primarily a book about what God has done. It's not about what, sh what we should be doing. And that is, as we look at this scripture, as we look at the book of Genesis, 
It allows us to gaze on who God is and what he has done and allows us to experience that. And really, uh, it will change your mind, it will change your heart if we actually listen to what the word says. So the very beginning, uh, verse 1, we'll just pick up there and we'll go through verse 4. This will be our text this morning. It says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. So that's going to be just our text this morning. This is, um, I would say, freighted with meaning. So freighted with meaning, like every word is weighty, and, 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 and as it presses into your heart, it will change your life. And there's so much here to unpack that, that will help us understand uh, really who God is and what he's done. And so we'll uh, just start at, at the beginning. It says this, what? In the beginning, what? God created. Now it's interesting here. It starts with, in the beginning, God created. So in the beginning, it seems like at a point in time, uh, creation uh, wasn't, and then it was created. So there's time, there's space, there's reality. Now, if you know anything about God, God, God is eternal. So he didn't have a beginning, but there are language here. It says for, for you to really uh, understand God, to have this reality, God is coming and stooping down to our level or even condescending to our level. Why? So we can know him. So God's revealing to us who he is. God, God's eternal, but in an in a understandable way. Why? Because he wants a relationship with you. He's stooping for you to understand. So it may be just thrown away where you may, you may miss it, when it says, in the beginning God created, he's speaking in a way which he wants you to understand. He wants you to know him. This is unbelievable. So it's as a, a father and mother would stoop down to a new baby and interact with the child on their level. They're going to come down and help them understand. They don't just, I mean, yes, you're going to read books and speak to them, but you're going to help them sound things out. This is a, a almost divine baby talk that he wants you to understand who he is. God, from the very beginning, says, I want you to know me. And he's speaking in a way uh, that, we can, that we can cognitively uh, wrap our, our brains around. Secondly, uh, which I think, it, it, not, not I think, it, it changed my life in college, uh, this, this insight. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I know I just read that. We're going to keep going through it over and over again. In the, in the beginning, uh, it says God. Now, who wasn't there in the beginning? It says, it says you weren't. So what does that mean? God, God, God is eternal. We're temple. He is the creator. We are created. He is, he is the dependent. We are, uh, uh, we, we are, he is the constant. We are the dependent. So what does this mean in the beginning, God? That means that, that, that God has always been. And what I want you to see is what it's saying is in the beginning, it, was, it wasn't about you. Who is it about? It's about God. The Bible is about what? It's about God. The world is about what? It's about God. I'm going to challenge you something. Your life is about what? It's about God. I remember when I was really searching in college, and I had a lot of things going on. Uh, I broke my foot playing baseball. I was searching who I was. I didn't, know, I didn't have an identity. And I remember someone gave me A Purpose Driven Life written by Rick Warren, and I opened that book, and the first page was so it brought me so much clarity and hit me like a, a ton of bricks or a two by four over the head. It simply said, it's not about you. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I had to read it again. I was like, okay, I thought this Christian book, it's all about me. I'm looking for my identity. I'm looking for purpose. God, tell me about me. He's like, the first thing says, it's not about you. And at that moment, 
I realize it's about God, and I can't tell you how much freedom came from that. Uh, freedom knowing it's not about me. Uh, I would say lightness, liberation, thankfulness, because I know me trying to be God for the, you know, the first 19 years of my life left me in uh, despair, frustration, anxiety. When I saw there's something greater than me, it was the most beautiful moment of life that I was like, that's, that's the best news I've ever heard, that this is actually not about me because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making a train wreck of my life. That's what I'm doing. But the good news, it's about God. And it was a moment where God, I felt, brought me to a window to see who he is for the first time. Because I think, the, actually, I know my sin nature, the world, culture, what does it say? It's all about you. It's gonna bring you to a mirror so you can gaze at yourselves like you are the center of the universe. The, the word of God refuses to say that. It is about God and allows you to see, man, who God is and how he created you to be. Uh, I think, I, I know we live in a narcissistic world and it's so celebrated. And I was even telling my daughter, I was like, you know selfies used not to be a thing. And she's like, you know, she's hard for her, 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 her mind around because that, that's a narcissistic idea. And I'm not saying if you take it, it's all bad, it's whatever. But it's like you turning everything onto you. It's you literally thinking the world is about you. And God saying, no, it's not about you at all. It's about God. In the beginning is God. And if you understand that, it's not about you. you will, you'll, it'll, it'll change everything that's going on in your life. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your, your work. It'll change how you parent. It'll change how you interact and everything. Why? Because it's really not about you. It's about him. Second thing I want to look at, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the word God there, it's, it may be, it's hard to, to read in English, but that word used in its, in its original language is plural. So God, yes, there's one God, but there's three persons in God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the first uh, mention of God being plural, it's hinting at what? The Trinity. And furthermore, not only does it hint at that, having God being plural, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, uh, and the earth was out without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and what? And the spirit of God. So you have the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and God said, let there be light. So you see the word of God, which we know is the son. So you got God in creation, the father, his will and desire was to create. You have the spirit of God and this, the way that it's used here, the spirit of God, it's a special divine presence that brings order and beauty. Uh, it's a special presence of God. And then it says the word, which we know is the son, goes out to create. And the sun is what light. And the, when light goes out, what does it give? It gives life, it gives creation, and it gives, gives beauty. So right here, when it says, in the beginning, God, it's saying, a triune God made the world. It's a beautiful reality that there's one God who, who worked together, or, or one God and three persons who worked together to create uh, 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 some, uh, really something that, that, that nothing was there, and it says darkness. It was about form and void. Now, this is super interesting. Like, God, everything that you see and experience today, like, and have ever experienced, the most beautiful thing that you've seen, God, God made. Every, everything in creation screams a creator. And what it should do is it, it should make you just stand in awe and worship. I mean, there's a reason why we go to stare at a Grand Canyon. It's incredibly beautiful. If you go to the ocean, you see just this eternal sea, and it reminds us there's an eternal uh, being who created it. Everything that's designed, if you look at your spouse, 
if you look at your child, like there's, there's beauty and it's glorious and it screams a creator and it's worshipful. It says there's a designer who made that. Uh, Psalm 33 verses seven through nine says it this way. He gathers the water, water, uh, waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth what fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand what in awe of him. For he spoke and he, it came to be. He commanded, listen, he commanded and it stood firm. So that's a summary of Genesis 1 and 2. That God creates and our, our response is like, oh my goodness. We stand in fear and awe of God who creates. It really should take your breath away as you look at creation. Why? All the things that we see and experience that are beautiful, that, 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 that screams designer, it'll, it should it culminate these shadows. It's like, man, this is who God is, and he's allowing us to experience his beauty, his glory. This is what we see uh, that, uh, that, that in the beginning when God created. Not only that, did God create the heavens and the earth? And it is beautiful and screams designer and there's function and it's just, there's rhythm. It's, it's amazing. But also he creates humanity. We'll get to that. But when he creates humanity, he, cre- he creates us in his image and likeness. And he tells us not only that we're made in his image and likeness, but he tells us we are made to image him, to, uh, to surrender to his design. So it tells us our origin, we're made by God, for God. And so as we look, as we get into more, he created humanity, male and female. So we don't have to wonder like what, you know, the gender wars today is like, no, no, no. God created humanity and he made them what? Male and female. And that's our design. He, he's the one that created it. And so life works best when we, we come under his design. Furthermore, he created marriage. That's not man-made. God officiated the first wedding in Genesis 2. And God designed that for between a man and a woman. He gave that, uh, he gave uh, a marriage, the gift of sex, to consummate the marriage. So when you don't use sex properly, man, things go haywire and there's dysfunction. He, it says that he designed work. And when you try to make identity your work or try to, man, make that your purpose, it will destroy you. But he made it to glorify him and to benefit others. It, it says that he, divine, uh, that he designed rest. And our job as humans is to look to who God is and how he designed, and then to come under and surrender. And as you come under who God is and how he designed, you know what happens? Man, there's flourishing that happens. Man, you want a, you want a healthy marriage? You should look to God who made it. If you want a healthy, healthy work, you should look to God and how he made it. But when you try to rebel against God who created it, says, I'm gonna use it this way, how do you think that's gonna work? It's not gonna go well. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to unravel. It's not, it's not going to function properly. The best I could come up with, and you can talk to me later about it, but is The Little Mermaid. If you've ever seen that, it's a child's movie. I haven't seen the new one. I'm sure it's great. But the old one, at least the old one, um, uh, the, you know, Ariel got a fork and was combing her hair. And, and, and they're like looking at her and was like, why are you combing your hair with a fork? And that, that, that's not what it's made for. It's like, no, this is what it's made for. That, that's made for eating. And then the, uh, the Scuttle got, got the tethoscope uh, uh, and put the, the little thing on, on, on the foot and it's trying to hear the heartbeat. It's like, well, that's not how that works. There's so many things that God designed and created. And we're like, no, we're not gonna use it how you said it would work, but we're gonna use it how we want to. Does it function properly? No. So when you say, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try marriage a little bit different. Now, you can try, but you're, it's, it's not gonna lead to liberation. 
It's going to lead to decay and chaos and breakdown. See, God communicates, he creates, and he calls us to surrender to his design. And what happens? Flourishing, beauty, and God is so gracious to communicate who he is and who his design is. Why? Because he loves us and he wants us to operate in his function. Furthermore, not only does he you know, create creation and it's beautiful and we should stand in all, not only does he say, man, here's how I made things, you come under it, they'll be flourishing, but in his very act of creating, being, being who he is, who God is triune in nature, he, he makes us in his image to, to express love. Now, here's, here's what I'll say about that. In the, in the beginning, God created, that's a, a, a poor way to say God. There's one God in three persons, and it says before, before creation, there was God, and God is triune in nature, so God the Father has always been loving and honoring the Son before creation, and the Son before creation has always been honoring and glorifying the Spirit, and, and, and it's a mutual submission. Now, when God created humanity, he, he, he didn't create to get anything. He created to give, to, to bestow beauty, to bless, and to share his love with another. So the fabric of creation, the fabric of, of really <laughs> our, 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 who we are uh, in this world is knit together by, by relationships. Like the, the most significant thing in the universe is what? Love. It says this so much in John 17, 24, says, Father, this is Jesus speaking, Father, I desire they awesome whom you have given me may, may be with me where I am to see what? To see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. So this is a relationship that, that precedes creation. And what God's calling us into when he creates is to, to share in that love, to understand this is the primary way that we glorify God. Now, God the Father honors the Son, Another way you can say that when you say to honor, to glorify, it is really to, to consider the son over himself. Or another way you could say is to take the lower seat or to bend the knee to the son. The son is bending the knee to the spirit and the spirit is bending the knee to the father. And you have this mutual submission, this mutual pouring out of love. And you know what happens when you're mutually submitting and glorifying one another? Man, it is, it is a flourishing of relationship. Jesus Jesus created us as image to, to do that. Jesus said this is the greatest commandment uh, in the New Testament. Is what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what? To love your neighbor as yourself. This is why we were made, is to reflect God in a loving relationship to others, to give to one another. Now, I, I give this illustration quite a bit. If you want to have if you want to have a healthy marriage, it's not 50% you're looking out for yourself and 50% you're looking out for your spouse. What is it? It's 100% the spouse looking out for, for the other and the 100% the other spouse looking out for the other. And if both are mutually submitting, taking the lower seat, giving affection to, serving one another. What happens if both are just giving themselves for another, not worrying about themselves? Flourishing happens in that relationship. That's how God made relationships to function, not only in marriage, but into life, to actually re reorient our minds, our hearts, and our lives to the other. And when that happens, when not only do we glorify God, there's flourishing that happens. We are made to give ourselves to, to another, to image God. This is who God is. Now, the problem is, not, not with God's design, the problem is that we rebelled against God's design. 
So Adam and Eve, they rebelled against God, said, you know what, I don't want to submit to you, I don't want to surrender to you, I want to be God, I want to do things how I want, and we try to take the place of God. And from there, sin into the world, and everything else has been unraveling. And really, the heart of sin, I need to say this over and over and over again, because I don't think you hear me. And actually, I, I don't even hear myself sometimes. The, the nature of sin is not that you do bad things. It, it could include that, for sure. But the nature of sin is the exaltation of self. It's not, a, when you say, it's not about God, it's about me. And when we are so self-consumed, we will do good things with wrong motivations. So there's many people that, man, they're like, they serve their wives, but they don't do it to glorify God or to love them. They do it to serve themselves. There's many parents that love their kids, that serve them, that, that try to, that, uh, you know, speak life over them, but they're not doing it to bless them. They're doing it to exalt themselves. There, there's a part in a movie, uh, Breaking Bad, and it's not the best thing to go watch, but at the end of it, he does all of it. He says he's doing it to, to honor his family. At the very end, he goes, I did it for myself. That's why I did it. This is the nature of sin. It's tricky and it's betraying. Like, why are you doing what you, you're doing? And if you're not doing it to glorify God and to give your life for another, to really think of the other, what happens, it starts to tear at the fabric of one of the universe. So we see that. We see the universe being just, man, decaying and darkness and death coming in, but into your lives. If you're not living for God and the other, man, it is it is, it is unraveling. Now, sin unravels. When you try to take the place of God, your life, not if, but it will unravel. Exodus 5.10 gives you an example of this. So Pharaoh thinks he's God. If you know that story, he's enslaved Israel. And he's like, man, I'm God. I'm the greatest. And then what happens? God sends uh, plagues to, to, to Pharaoh and, 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 uh, to let him know that he's not God. And what you see in those plagues is the unraveling, the unraveling of creation. So first, the river is contaminated, and then the frogs die, then the frogs die. Uh, you know, there's gnats that, that, that take over, and then from the gnats, there's a pandemic, and then what's the last thing that happens before the death of the firstborn, uh, firstborn son? It's darkness. You see, we start in darkness, and so when we sin, we try to take the place of God, you see really just the universe start to decay, and this is what we experience in the world in our own lives. There's a darkness because of the sin nature that we are putting ourselves before God and others. Now, your life, if it's unraveling, I'm telling you right now, it's because of you. That's a tough pill to swallow. I know we don't like that. We want to point fingers at everyone else, but the reason why your life is unraveling in your relationships, in your work, it, it's because of you. And, 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 and until the Spirit of God intervenes, you will always make it about you. I'm not saying other people didn't play a part, so don't hear me say that. But you gotta understand that you and I have a sin nature. Now, listen to what it says about this ourselves in Ephesians 5.8. I'm just reading the Word of God. For at one time, you were what? Darkness. You were darkness. It didn't say you were in the dark. That'd be different. Where's the darkness lie? In our own hearts. We like to stand at the center of our own lives. And it, if the Lord's gonna work on you this morning, you have to see that's true. Because you'll always blame someone else. You were darkness. The good news is not you, your ability to change yourself. The good news is that God intervenes. 
He intervenes even though darkness is what we pursue and we, do, we pursue decay. It says this, um, I'll read it in John 1, 1 through 4. This is the incarnation. This is the second person of the Trinity. God became man and he dwelt among us, full in grace and truth. This is why we celebrate Christmas is we are darkness, but what in the Christmas light has shown in the darkness, namely the son of God being born of a woman. It says, in the beginning was the word. So it's referring to Genesis. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This hopefully will preach to your mind and your heart. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We were darkness, but the good news is the light stepped down in the world. And he wants to penetrate your dark heart with the love of God for you in a very particular way. See, the way that, that you change, the way that you're transformed, not to, be, to have darkness, is allow the Spirit of God to reveal to you the beauty and the love of Jesus Christ. See, what's so interesting is on the cross, Jesus considered you over himself. He, he died in your stead. He took your place. It was the ultimate sacrifice and example of otherworldly love for a sinner. He, he, he loved you so much that he was willing to give your life. And when you experience that sacrificial love, that substitutional love, we have a black hole in our heart that's just darkness. The light of God, the love of God will be poured into your heart and it will change your perspective of who God is and how you love other people. Why? Because you'll be satisfied in the love of God, that you, a sinner, are loved, and you become a son and daughter. Listen to what it says in Matthew 27, verses 20, uh, 20, uh, 45 and 46. It says, now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land. So this is when Jesus was being crucified. It says darkness was over the land. So what we experience because of our sin nature and how we choose to rebel against God, it says darkness is over the land, this decay Jesus was experienced. Uh, until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, <laughs> lama sabachthani. I tried so hard. That is my God, my God. Listen, why have you forsaken me? See, Jesus on the cross took our forsakenness. He, he took, he took our, 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 our condemnation. Why? So we could have the very love of the Father again. Now, what happens, those are just words that are true. And they are true. God loves you even though you have a dark heart, that you're built against him, that you don't deserve it. He loves you, not in a general way, but a particular way. And, and the personal love of his, the, the son dying for you, what happens is when the spirit of God shines into your dark heart, that becomes beautiful. That you are loved, even when you don't deserve it. So, so the, the, the spirit of God, as it does in creation, man, it hovers and it allows you to see, it, it creates this beauty and order. The spirit of God will come into you and it rips off the veil that blinds you from the love of God, blinds you from the goodness of God, and it's, it allows you to see who God is, what happens there, it starts to recreate your dark heart with the love of Jesus Christ. And he starts to change you from one degree to the other and it allows you to experience, one, the love of God, and as you experience the love of God, it overflows your heart and you start to love other people how you've been loved. This is what Christianity is all about. It's about Jesus and his great love for you. And when you experience that great love by the Spirit of God, it will change you from the inside out. 
And when you understand how much you're loved, you know what happens? Light starts to shine in your dark heart where you don't surrender. You're like, man, you know what, God? I want to give you my marriage. I want to give you my life. I want to give you my work. I want to give you. And you say, God, I trust you. And so Jesus starts to rule and reign in your heart. You know what happens in your life? He starts to redeem you and put you back together. And you start to live for how he designed. And there's flourishing. Not only does God create, but listen, in Christ, he desires to recreate and transform you from the inside out. As you see that what Jesus is the light and life of men, that he came for you, that he desires for you to experience the love of God, not in general, but particular. And then what light does is two things. Do you, I mean, I'm a, are you enthralled and excited that this life is about Jesus? If not, I'm concerned for you. Um, the spirit of God turns on the light in that dark heart. You start to see that the beauty of Christ, the love of Christ, um, it allows you to gaze upon the grace of God that he has for you. And, and when, when that happens, you, you do want to sur- surrender. And when it says light, not only allows you to see, that's why it's so beautiful, like you start to see, man, God is good, that he is the creator, he has a plan, it's not about me. Like, you're like, I want him to rule my life. That happens by the spirit of God turning on the lights, but also light gives that life. It starts to redeem every part of your life. Have you seen the beauty of Christ? It really is not about you, which is the best news ever. It's about Jesus. The question is, do you see it? Do you see how that changed your life? Have you reoriented your life to the origin of your creator? Only Christ can restore you with the Father through his life, death, burial, resurrection. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would uh, help us respond by faith and that we would see not only that we are darkness, but Jesus, you are light. And we come and surrender to you that we're made children of the light, that we could walk differently, see differently, love differently, but help us experience that love in Jesus this morning. Help us reorient everything in our lives to you, Jesus. Spirit of God, help us in a particular way, experience that love, surrender to that love, believe you at your word, that we'd find joy and peace surrendering to you, God, as a good father as a beloved son and daughter. Why? Because of Jesus. God, I pray that you'd help our hearts melt with your, with, with your grace, that we would just stand in awe of who you are, God, for us. God, I pray that we would confess that we try to make a lot of things about us. Help us repent, lay those things down, and come under your love more and more today. I ask that in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.